there, friends. I'm Stephanie Donovan. And I'm Sarah Malloy. And if you're a mom who likes psychology, intuitive development, crystals, spirits... Wait, ghosts? Did you mean ghosts? Yes, sometimes. Come along with me and my bestie as we explore a new topic of self-development, magic, and yes, even the paranormal each week. But don't worry, we're not experts. No, but we are fascinated by this stuff and we'll walk through it right along with you. Bringing you practical woo since 2022, we'll cover everything from momming to the mystical. Because we're multidimensional. And you are too. Welcome to Multidimensional Mom. Hello, welcome back to Multidimensional Mom. Today we have a great guest. Patrick Powers is an author, content creator, photographer, and voice actor. I found him locally at Ghoulish Mortals, a monster and horror retail mecca in St. Charles, Illinois. We got to talking via email about podcast content, and I discovered that Patrick is a paranormal investigator with over 15 years of experience, both solo and on teams. He was also the creator and host of Witches Hill Radio podcast for four years. So, of course, we invited him on the pod to talk about his experiences and discoveries in exploring the spirit realm. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to get to know you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do professionally? Okay. Um, well, I've been writing for a number of years, so many that I can't even count. I've I just released a book over the summer called um, Here, There, or Somewhere Elsewhere. Okay. Where do we <laughs> uh, find that? Uh, that's on Amazon right now. Awesome. I'm currently doing the audiobook. That's perfect. I mean, with your voice, I can understand why yes. you wouldn't want somebody else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very tedious, very tedious. I'm sure. Sorry. So you are an author, and what would you say is your content focus? Oh, psychological horror. Nice. Now, what made you interested in that? Well, I just got tired of like both movies and books when you're just like, oh, okay, I can guess what's going to happen on page one. And you like a twist at the end. But I didn't want to go down the route of like, let's say M. Night Shyamalan, where it's like, oh, what a twist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we know that formula. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not saying anything against him or anything. I just wanted to go a different route. Sure. You know, sure. Did your podcast that you'd ran for four years, what was Witches Hill Radio about? Oh, uh, we covered pretty much everything that we could, paranormal type stuff, uh, slasher things, mm-hmm. anything horror related. If we came across any events that were going on, we tried to either go to them or at least get some coverage on what's going on. We had a couple of our own interviews that we did. We did one with Mike Ricksecker oh, from wow. Discovery Channel and Shauna Wankel. She was an author. Uh, that that was all fun. Uh, it was our first time going through it, so it was kind of a little little rough, but it was fun. It was fun. It was a learning experience, definitely. Yes, every podcast does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. And four years. I mean, you must have covered. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of ground to cover in four years' time. So that's that's very exciting that you were able to to get some good guests on and do and do the events and all of that. Stuff. Yeah, it was definitely fun. And you said you've been writing since third grade. Is this has it always been sort of the paranormal mm-hmm. slant? Like, what was it about? What is it about the paranormal that made you go this? Probably my first weird experience that that I had as a kid. I actually just covered this on my TikTok channel. I released the second episode last night. I kind of went through everything that happened to me. Uh, I'll give you kind of like a cliff note of what happened. I was in my front room. My parents were on the other side of the house. And then I started hearing my dad's voice calling me from upstairs. And so as a kid, I'm like, what's going on? That's not normal. Yeah, one thing led to another. I led my 
parents back upstairs. They went upstairs. There was absolutely nothing up there. And it was like used as a storage room because my sister had just moved out. So there were boxes, at least to me, almost between like my elbow and my shoulder. And you couldn't walk into this room. And I thought I had seen something up there. So ever since that first moment, I was like, okay, that's spooky. That definitely got to me. And I was probably like five or six at the time. So ever since then, it's just been a snowball effect. But I, I definitely got my start in writing when it came to like zombies and stuff. I was a huge George Romero fan. Okay, nice. Is that something, did you find that on a regular basis in that house then? Is that something that you that you experienced a lot in your childhood home or was it just kind of a one-off and then you decided you wanted to see where else it would take you? Oh man, at, at sometimes I wish it was just a one-off, but no, <laughs> this was a very, very common occurrence. And it wasn't just me. Like it was a bunch of other people bringing things to my attention. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. I live there. Why do you guys have to tell me this? Like right before you leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, where's the house? Yeah. <laughs> Give us the address. <laughs> Give us everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a, a little investigation going on. Yes. <laughs> so you you did mention that you gained knowledge about unusual topics. Obviously, you mm -hmm. had your personal experience. You gained knowledge about these topics throughout your childhood. You were taught about the occult as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to be? Well, both my my mom and my sister and a couple other people in my family had different varying beliefs and everything. So as a kid, I always try to keep my mind open about certain things. And when their, let's say their stories or what have you correlated with the events that I was experiencing, I was like, okay, there's probably like some decent validation, whatever you're talking about. But it was just, it's always creepy, especially when like you're seeing something out of the corner of a shadow and they're saying, don't look at it, whatever you do, don't listen to it like a voice or don't go to like some unknown area just because you think it's creepy doesn't necessarily mean that you're just going to get some like creepy stuff. You might legitimately get hurt. There might have been, let's say, some darker practices there. I don't go into like the, the darker type of stuff. That's not not what I do. I like to focus on the, the happy and the good and protection and stuff like that. So um, mm -hmm. I don't uh, align myself with anything, but I'm very open minded and I'm up for any new experiences. I like seeing what what happens with different people's different faiths, different ideas and stuff like that. So when mm -hmm. I would go out, I would use, let's say, like certain minerals and everything like that. There's like selenite, obsidian, um, tiger's eye, like protection stones, stuff like that. And uh, I'm, sure. I, I'm sure you guys have heard of the uh, the classic make a make a salt line around something for like protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Stuff right? like that. But it is interesting, too. I mean, how different faiths and different worldviews can sort of shape how people respond to experiences like that as well. So that's oh, yeah, that's, that's really fascinating that you were able to sort of pick up on on that. Very Was your mom into the occult? A little bit, a little bit. She okay. dabbled in. Um, I think I'm getting this right. She was Southern Baptist, but also kind of opened herself up to uh, Wicca a little bit. Cool. So she knew a little bit more into like the witchcraft aspect, but using it more as like how I said before, like protection and stuff like that, stuff that kind of correlated with her beliefs. So I just kind of took that and just applied it to myself on my journey, so to speak. Okay. Now, when you got into paranormal investigation, mm -hmm. where did you start? Do you explore locally, nationally? Um, you know, where have you been and how'd you start doing that? Well, actually, I started because of my dad. My dad oh. was very into it. He was 
him and my mom have had so many weird experiences that it just basically they were just like, yes, there are things out there that you cannot explain. And that's been ingrained in my head since I was a child. And yeah, there are so many things out there that just don't exactly have clear answers. So I always found that to be a very fun little clubhouse to hang out in, so to speak. Your dad did investigation as well. Is that, yeah. is that correct? Okay. Okay. That's yeah. really cool. I, I did a couple with him. We went to a couple cemeteries. <laughs> one we got chased out of because uh, not not anything paranormal. Some dude like with a shotgun was mad and he owned the property. So we were like, okay, let's leave. Was it the caretaker of Buffalo Grove Cemetery? <laughs> 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 that was our our last episode. Was all about that. Bachelor's yes. Grove. Sorry, yes, yes. what did I say? Buffalo Grove. <laughs> oh, I've been doing. There's that. probably good ones there too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I listened to that episode. That was a good one. That was a good one. Oh, I liked thank you. It. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we get into the lore too. I love the stories of yes. the ghost investigations, and yes. when people come forth with like the same stories, like it's the same type of dog or it's the same type. I love that because it adds some credence to it that like people are experiencing the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. and that is just very cool to me. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people uh, will say that would be like a residual haunting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's very isolated to one location, either due to the location itself, the person or the uh, like the traumatic events that happened there. But right. sure. uh, like where I started off, I, I just started off in my neighborhood because I, I had like a little digital camera when I was like maybe 10 or 11. And I mean, like this was not a good camera at all, but it was enough to get me by. And That's me- how all of us art kids started out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. we all had these. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So you started making films. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. Started walking around with my friends using either video cameras or just like still frame cameras. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like you you'd, you get certain questionable things, of course, like there's always the debate with the like the orbs and everything that you'd get because there's condensation in the air and so on. So we're like, OK, let's try to rule all that out as much as we can. And then we started getting really weird photos once we started getting into the woods because it's so dark. And every time I've gone back and it wasn't just me, I've gone with like maybe eight or nine different people like at one time and they saw stuff before I even saw stuff. And it literally scared them out of the woods. Like they said that something was chasing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started off getting um, weird photos of um, like a skull in smoke. Where were these woods? Was this in the Midwest? Yeah, this is uh, towards uh, South Elgin. Oh, cool. I want to know exactly where. I grew up in Elgin. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, there. <laughs> so what kinds of things were you experiencing in the woods? And were you able to replicate those experiences? Um, some I was able to, some I weren't. Some of the weird, weirder ones. And I, I didn't see this, but I was with the person who did. They said that as we were walking out of the woods, they said that they started seeing like, quote, bodies hanging from trees and stuff. And I'm like, OK, that's that's bizarre, because I at this point in time, I'm like nine or ten. They were saying it wasn't like you could see people. It was more like uh, shadow figures, like it was like the outlines of bodies and everything. Mm-hmm. So, or, yeah, I was told about that because it was my buddy's friend. We ended up going back and. We can't explain whether this was an actual person or if this was some type of apparition. But at the very bottom of this hill, we see some person in a completely blacked out cloak. Well, we don't want to get near that because it's in the middle of the night and they're slowly walking towards us. So we ended up turning and beelined it out of these woods. And then later on, you start hearing about all these other different people saying that there were 
dark practices happening in these woods, Mm -hmm. which then leads me to believe that either like they released something, they were doing some like really dark ritual or and as time would go on, I would find out that there are some really messed up things that were happening in these woods. I unfortunately had the experience of coming across a mutilated animal. I won't go too much into it, but it was hanging from a tree. And somebody was telling me that, oh, that's how they uh, that's how they bleed the animal and everything. And I'm like, oh, OK, but I, I mean, I'm not a hunter or anything. Why? Why was there a hole through the bottom of this thing's jaw and out the top of its skull? And if this was a hunter, you know, they would eat, eat the meat or do something with it. This thing was still hanging in the tree and like it had like carvings in it. It was really messed up. It was in the, like the farthest back part of the woods off the trail up on a hill. It was it was really disturbing because it was only me and my friend and we were in middle school at the time mm-hmm. when all of that mm-hmm. happened. Well, and it's incredible when you are that age, because I remember exploring the woods and where I grew up there was it was called the Eagles Club. I don't know. Like, oh, yeah. Um, it's like the 90s. But um, they did a crazy haunted house in Elgin. And they also just had like all this property there for the club members. And I remember going through the woods and back to the club and they had stuff on trees and like these big boards with circles. And we were convinced that there was some occult shit going down. And it turns out it was just like archery, like target practice. But when you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you are like in middle school, you're like, what is happening in the woods? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to like fall into it at that age for sure. You never know where a lot of these things originate sure. from, you know, right. there's always like a foot of truth. But then all of a sudden, like, if you get scared, it kind of gets a little embellished sometimes. Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. So where are you going on your hunts? Where do you explore now for a paranormal investigation? Well, I've actually took a break for a little bit because things started getting really crazy. I'm not entirely sure what. I would say followed me or followed us as a team, but I did a huge investigation in Melrose Park, Illinois. Okay. There was a house that we had before, before we ended up selling it that I kept hearing about all these different things about um, one of the stories that my dad told me was that he was on one end of the house and his mom was on the other end of the house. And in between the house, there's a like little walkway that has, I think six doors so you can go left down into the basement forward and then there's like um, like a playroom, a closet and a bathroom and then another door that goes back into one of these other bedrooms. And in this threshold, he could not scream loud enough to get his mom to come to him because he woke up thinking that something was coming up from the basement. And now this this basement gave off some of the darkest, more malevolent vibes I've ever really experienced. It was like if you walked into the shadows, you weren't going to come back. That's that's the feeling that it was gave. this a friend's house or you said you guys owned it. Yeah, we owned it for a number of years. Uh, my dad grew up there. I lived there for a very, very short amount of time. But and was it one of those like dirt basements or how old was the house? Uh, I think it was early 1900s, like 1910, oh. something like that. Yeah, when he was screaming, but he was screaming so loud that the neighbors ended up calling the police because they thought that there was like a home invasion or something. And so my grandma ends up waking up because of the cops, not because of my dad. 
she kind of like wrote it off because obviously she had to live there. So she's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't that didn't happen. You were just dreaming. So, okay, so it sounds like it's mostly local stuff. When you get called to investigate things, are you are Mm -hmm. people reaching out to you and saying, hey, you know, I think I've got this energy in my house and I, I suspect it could be something paranormal coming paranormal can you come or is it something that you just you know you hear about places and you're curious about them and so you just kind of want to go research yourself or how to what sort of initiates your process for when you go and and do these investigations um all the above but there's are also a couple things that i just like i want to hear as much detail as i can about said place not necessarily about like the hauntings are paranormal, but like the actual history of the place, like how old is this place? How many people have lived there? Mm-hmm. It's just so that way I can kind of get like my bearings as to like what I could do for said investigation. Cause I've seen a lot of things where like, let's say they go to like Tennessee or something like that. They go to a battlefield and they start talking about like the civil war, but they're playing like, let's say metal music. Okay. That's not going to incite something that happened back in the day. You might want to play like, cannon sounds or gunfire or something like that and then next thing you know you start seeing these weird apparitions off in the fields and stuff like that it's almost like it like it's the flame to the kerosene it's going to ignite something so to speak but there's a couple places that we've gone to that people have reached out to us that have given us absolutely nothing but just the way that the house or location looks it's like okay that could be really fun let's just see what happens because like it's sometimes it's fun going in completely blind not really expecting too much and then next thing you know everything unfolds on you like with that big investigation in melrose park Mm -hmm. all we felt was just like we were being watched and like there was an ominous energy but nothing really happened to us while we were there the i think the biggest thing that we visibly saw we had a pendulum hanging in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and we walked out front onto the porch and when we looked back the thing was spinning in a circle we weren't close enough to it to cause anything. So we watched it for about like five minutes and it didn't really slow down. So we finally went back and stopped. It took it down. And then later on, when we came back to the footage and the other evidence that we had, both still frame and a bunch of stationary cameras, as well as cameras that we had on us, we started finding so many things that just, if we would have heard in the process of doing that, we probably would not have finished out the night or at least called it a little bit Like sooner. EVPs? Yeah, EVPs. Um, There's one that still is really unsettling to me and my team. We walked into the back part of the Melrose house. And this is all on camera too. I actually have the the whole movie is on YouTube. It's on, um, I think, Witches Hill Radio or it's on my Linksky page. Okay. There was this white face that appeared to like swoop out, look at us and then move away. And at, at first we're just like, oh, okay, wait wait a minute, this might just be a trick of the light. And then we cross-referenced it with a couple of the other videos that we had and where the um, the window was because the window was maybe a foot in uh, like length, but like le- a little less than a foot is in height. And it was all the way up to the top left part of the uh, the wall. So the way that the light would have cast in from the trajectory of where the street light was would have only been on the top part of the ceiling. This was towards the bottom, uh, bottom right into a closet. Because you can visibly see like what looks like an eye and then it just kind of like moves out of the way. And then when you start going through the rest of the footage, we started hearing uh, how you mentioned EVPs. 
my buddy Matt, he he walks away from us and he goes into the owner's first or the first owner's bedroom, which they claim to have died in. And so he he's in there by himself. There's no furniture or anything. We actually gutted the house the day before. So there's no furniture in this entire house. And he's walking in a circle. And like you can hear some creaky floorboards. But there is a voice that comes through so unbelievably clear that just tells him to die. I'm not kidding. Like literally, it's just die. Now, are these the things because I always see on TV when the EVP is recorded, nobody in the room hears it at the time. It's when you play it yep. back. Okay. Um, what are you using to catch that? Like, what's your equipment? We just use tape recorders. I think uh, one of the ones that we had was like an Olympus. Uh, I don't remember the model, but uh, it was just a digital tape recorder that he was spinning in a circle with, with the video camera. So it, there is video proof and he's he does a full 360. There's nobody else in the room besides him. And you hear that. But you also hear the other squeaky floorboards before and after you hear this EVP. But the, the whole Melrose House project was one thing after another after you go back into the footage. And what we tried to do was not just use digital. We ended up using eight millimeter film as well. So that way we could prove to people that it is unedited. It is it's not nothing is fabricated. So we use both mediums and the only editing that was put in there was either to speed up or slow down the film and put titles in. That's that's absolutely it. Okay, so home investigations, cool stuff. Melrose Park, you you mentioned cemeteries. Uh, Do you Mm -hmm. like going to those? What types of things do you pick up there? Uh, Cemeteries are fun. They're they're all different in their own right. Some are have like a, a heavy energy around them, like a lot more sadness, darkness, depending on like, let's say what time of um, the century it was built or if it was like 1800s type stuff. I, I would say like personally, like the 1800s ones are like not that bad. Like it's not as heavy. It's kind of like a lighter feeling. But then once it gets more like turn of the century, like 1900s and stuff like I'd say between 1900 and like the 1950s or 60s, there's like to me, there's always like a much heavier presence of like something there. A lot of a lot of what I have personally caught, it's like shadows, mm-hmm. shadows or things that are off in the foreground that catch your eye and you end up just kind of like staring at a specific spot until like you see something. But then again, that could be like a trick of the eye. Cemeteries, I haven't really focused on too too much just because i i feel like there's so much that could just be there 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 there's so many bodies or spirits that would be there that it might get clouded or anything like especially if you're using a uh, like a spirit box to like try to get a voice to come through other than just putting down a tape recorder and letting nature do its thing Mm -hmm. have you used the spirit box i'm not quite sure how i feel about those I have. Um, I'm on the fence with it, too, yeah. because it's like it can literally pick up anything and everything. So I, I did put it to the test one time. We did an investigation in West Chicago and there was this basement that was very evil dead esque. Like you had to take a ladder and go straight down and it was all dirt, dirt and rock walls. And so you couldn't get any reception in there. So I'm like, all right, I know this goes off radio waves, but maybe if I take this down in there, there might be something. And we caught a few voices down there that we can't, again, explain like where that necessarily came from because we're in this completely walled off room. You have no signal 
we were live on Facebook. And the second I started going down, it immediately cut out. So I'm like, all right, there is no way that we're going to get anything. But then we got a couple things that uh, I forgot what name it. So it was like John or Jeff or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it correlated with the original owner or the previous owner of that house. And apparently they had died on the property out in the garage. Wow. There are a bunch of old houses in West Chicago like that, that are just, Mm -hmm. it's an old town. It is. When you, you said that you've gone out, so you've got a team, if you've got your team of people, what, Mm -hmm. you know, are you bringing out, is it the same team every time? Do you bring out people that are experts in specific you know, areas or specific. So like, for example, if you, if you come out with a, with a pastor or whatever, mm. as, as you mentioned earlier, do you ever bring people out that are, that claim to be mediums or anything like that, that like sort of have a sense about what might be there that you're then able to corroborate later with physical evidence? Oftentimes finding more people to work with can be more challenging than not because mm-hmm you might have like a specific way that you want to go about something. And like, um, like how you said, you're not really sure about the, uh, the spirit box, which I completely understand. But I, I also like trying to like mess with different new things just to see like what happens. Cause I, I, I'm one of those people that's just like, if you keep using the same thing, you're probably only going to keep getting the same mm-hmm. thing. So why not branch out and see like what work works best for each situation? Each situation is completely different. So you need to treat it as its own unique case. There's people out there that I've tried to work with that is like, oh, I absolutely don't do that. The only thing I use is a tape recorder. And it's like, that's not really believable, man. Like you're hearing a voice. Anything can be edited on a voice if you have uh, night vision or anything like just to prove like where you were, the angles, trajectories, the the location. It gives more validity to what you're trying to bring to light. Mm -hmm. And that actually leads into sort of the next question. How do you go about determining the validity of your evidence. I mean, you've, you've touched on it mm. a little bit and you'd mentioned that you do try to research the places that you go as much as you can ahead of time. Oh, yeah. You know, if you if you are doing a home investigation, for example, do you ever then sit down with the owners afterward and say, hey, we were in this room and this is what we ended up finding on the, you know, on the recording afterward. Is this something that's happened to you? Or, or you know, do you have sort of a meeting with the owners then to kind of determine if their experiences match what you found, how does that then work? How, how does the validity part of it sort of, sort of happen? Yeah. Meeting with the owner is definitely one of the things that I, I love to do. And I never want to bring the evidence full force at them. I was like, this is what we found. This is this, this, this. I kind of (laughs) prod for questions first. Like, yes. Okay. So who lived here beforehand? Like with the whole um, John or Jeff, name like like does this name mean anything to you is there anybody around here that maybe you might know by this name did anything tragic happen here that we might be able to go off of Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i like to ask that after we've done the investigation so that way we're not fully focused on oh yeah we heard the name john or anything you know you don't have a preconceived notion sort of going in then yep exactly makes sense sure because like otherwise, then it's just like, OK, now you're you're basically tricking yourself into believing whatever you're doing. It's more fun to be in the unknown and then get the answers afterwards. 
I like to cross reference the or like, let's say if one thing was caught on one camera, like if it's in a, in a kitchen facing down a hallway and there's another camera facing like in the kitchen, but facing a different way, cross reference both of those and see what matches up with the audio, see what matches up where each person is. Look at their uh, body cams. If we have the body cams or if we're using night vision, where are you in relation to where this was picked up? Could mm -hmm. like a creak on the third floor resonate down to the first floor like i try to do literally everything of course and that's the part of paranormal investigation nobody talks about i would imagine like listening to six hours of nothing <laughs> to hear that two <laughs> seconds of a voice i mean that's a lot, a lot of work, but yeah, it, yeah. You do know. you ever and just because i have to ask this and and i ask this because i don't remember what show it was one of the one of the million ghost hunting shows that popped up you know that came out there there was one mm that they walked in, they were doing this investigation and it was clear that it was like a restaurant or something. And it was clear that the owners had set things up. Do you know what I mean? For the team to like, you know, yeah. to sort of trick that. Are there things that you've walked into and you were like, really? Like, this is clear bullshit. And then you were like, <laughs> okay, guys, you know, are there things like that that you can tell were just sort of a cry for attention? Yeah, there, there's been a, a decent number of things where it's just like, oh yeah, the 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 front room's haunted. Ooh, and then all of a sudden you walk in and there's like a Ouija board there. It's like, guys, come on, like just on purpose to freak you on. out. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't freak no. me out, but I get what the intention exactly. is. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. I wanted to talk to you about ghoulish mortals because you uh, work there sometimes. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. They, I mean, they have so many, so many things in that amazing mm -hmm. store it is so much bigger than what yeah. it looks like from the outside mm -hmm. i am it just keeps going and going now with everything that they've put in there that's mm -hmm. so creepy do you ever get any vibes there have you seen anything heard anything have other people that have worked there seen anything or is there just nothing uh not really all that much i've only had two questionable things and it's it's not even that big um, just because like, like how you said, it's bigger than what is thought of, you know, like it goes all the way back. There's a basement. Yeah. And... The basement is something yeah. else. Yeah. My kids well, will I... go in the basement, even for the pinball machines. They're not doing it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the life-sized like uh, Jason and those, those life-size yeah. statues there, they weren't having it. <laughs> but yeah. So you haven't like heard anything, had any weird things happen? Um, the, the only two weird things that I've had happen is. At one one point, I was walking through the store and I, I didn't realize anybody was in there. And as I walking over by this pin section, there's a larger dude and his wife just standing there and they just look at me. I'm like, hello. And they just stare at me and just kind of like nod. So I walk back behind the counter and I'm looking on the security camera and I don't see anybody. I'm waiting for somebody to leave. I don't see anybody. It's, it's literally I'm closing the store. And I'm doing my rounds and I'm like, where are they? I literally looked under everything into like the closets and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to say that they somehow managed to make it around me because there's always that chance. But the door didn't make the creaky door noise or like a sound that somebody was walking in or out. So that was a little perplexing. But sure. then again, those buildings are very old. And the only other one was it happened just recently. It is kind of kind of stupid but it made me laugh downstairs there's the halloween pinball machine 
Mm-hmm. And we, we were having like a problem with it at some point and I was watching it and I had hit all the buttons and normally whenever you hit the button, it triggers the game to start up and everything and the power was on, but I, I wipe it all down. Nothing happens. And then I start walking away and then uh, Dr. Loomis from Halloween, all he says is be safe. And I'm like, I just looked back and I was just like, <laughs> all right, Dr. Loomis, thank you. And that is why Kirby's boys don't go down there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool, though. Yes. Haunted pinball. Yep. <laughs> well, let's plug your um, TikTok, your YouTube. Where can people find you and what types of things do you do there? Uh, both YouTube and TikTok are at Linksky, L-I-N-K-S-K-E-E. And um, oftentimes I'm doing a bunch of horror stuff. Currently, I I literally have a book in front of me that has um, up to 85 different paranormal, questionable things that have happened to me. And I'm going through pretty much all of them on TikTok. But if I'm not doing horror, honestly, I'm doing a lot of stupid skits or um, like voiceover work, various different projects. And I like to put like clips of it on my TikTok or YouTube channel. Awesome. Well, thank you. This is really all very interesting. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. 